welcome to the Beyond the Medicine program with a Don't Teach You in Residency. I'm Rob Strauss, Team Health's Chief Medical Training Officer. And today, we're going to listen to an already recorded podcast that addresses several topics. Advanced practice clinicians or providers, physician supervision, and mitigating the risk of malpractice. In other words, what types of communications will most effectively promote a productive collaboration, which inevitably will form the best defense against malpractice or stated in the positive, provide the safest, most effective patient care. Our guest host is Tom Vasek, an advanced practice clinician. He's a regional director for the Team Health West Group and covers six states. Tom is responsible for compliance and leadership development and is a previous chair of Team Health's National Advanced Practice Clinician Council. In the following podcast, Tom will interview Nathan Schlicker. Nathan is an MDJD, board-certified emergency physician, who among his responsibilities is deeply involved in QI and is a leader of a litigation support team for clinicians. Nathan is highly intelligent, articulate, and was a Washington state senator, and is fully familiar with the complex political process. And with that introduction, let's listen to the discussion. I'm Tom Vasek, a physician assistant and regional APC director. So Nathan Schlicker is a physician and a lawyer, practicing lawyer, uh, who is involved with litigation support and quality insurance. So Dr. Schlicker, tell me about any reviewed uh, APC claims as it relates to supervision. Well, thank you so much for uh, having this great conversation today, Tom. You know, supervision is a, an issue that cuts many ways, and since we're a company now that spans 50 states, it's challenging to give one answer for, because different states have different requirements. But what I would say is that the partnership, the collaboration, can get us both into trouble and out of trouble in claims. But when there's a supervised relationship that's not working well, that often is a problem in the claims department. Uh, one truth always holds that anytime defendants are pointing the fingers at each other, the plaintiffs are happy because everybody admits somebody did something wrong. So if the APC is blaming the doc and the doc is blaming the APC, it's a bad day for all of us. So supervision has been an issue and making sure that we have productive relationships in our organization is critical. And you mentioned collaboration. Certainly collaborative practice involves productivity and how we manage that. A lot of urgent cares are taking over the low acuity markets. Therefore, our APCs and physicians are working more side by side to see higher acuity patients. Do you see any perceived risk in that environment? I think there's risk and advantages on both sides. You know, it is a risk in that we're seeing higher acuity patients, but that also means we're getting more used to uh, those patients that have a benign presentation of a serious disease. For instance, the back pain, that's a spinal epidural abscess. That may have been a low level visit that went to our fast tracks, but if the APC had never seen a more serious outcome, may not have been as thoughtful in their differential. So seeing those higher acuity patients can be a good thing, but it can also be a downside of introducing care that they may not have been trained for. You know, with a couple thousand hours of training, if they haven't had the clinical experience to do it, if we leave them out there on their own, we're not doing the patient or the provider the right service of getting the care that they need and that they want to provide. Emergency medicine is interesting in the sense that most of us do it because we like high acuity, we like advanced procedures. 
with procedures, certainly there's risk assumed or perceived as it relates to doing central lines, intubations, lumbar punctures. Do you see any specific risk as it relates to those procedures versus doing a laceration repair or missing a tendon injury, those types of things? So I definitely think there is a, a new set of unique risks when we are bringing uh, people into higher risk procedures, intubation probably being one of the big ones. You know, uh, in addition to being an attorney, I also work in peer review uh, in our health system. Uh, and we have seen these issues crop up where people are maybe not getting the level of training and experience they need before they're being asked to do it solo, sometimes without backup. I think that's where the risk comes with these higher you know, risk traditional procedures. It's not so much that anybody can't be trained to do a procedure. You know, we've got nurses now that are putting in central lines in our health system. Uh, so anybody can be trained, but it's making sure that they're properly trained, that they're adequately supported, and that they have the freedom and the self-confidence and the backup that when they hit a case, that they go, you know, this is beyond my experience skill set to be able to you know, pull the ripcord, get out of there, and get the right help in there. Uh, when that doesn't happen, when that collaboration and supervision we're talking about doesn't happen, that's where we start seeing risk really creep in. Now, our population is growing. Do you think there's any age-related comorbid um, correlations with risk as it relates to APCs? You know, seeing grandma with generalized weakness who's on dialysis, on multiple medications. Definitely. Uh, the extremes of age, the young and the old, are high risk for all of us. And I think where, again, that, that volume of experience is not there, that's where the risk comes from. You know, it, it's one thing when we talk about, you know, an APC that's been out for 20 years and has that, you know, 15,000 hours of experience that a physician comes out with, you know, after residency. The challenge is, is we've got new grads that also don't have sometimes underlying clinical education, nurse practitioners that didn't work as a nurse, just went directly through. APCs that weren't in the military first and then, you know, went on to BPAs, they don't have that knowledge. And so we can't treat everyone as the same and say that, you know, a 20-year veteran like yourself can handle grandma who's weak and dizzy and knows the massive differential versus a new grad who may never have set foot at the clinical bedside beyond the roughly four to 500 hours of clinical experience they got. So I think the extremes of age are a huge risk, but I think they also just open us up to really evaluating what each of us knows and can do. I agree, and, and I think that collaborative piece too is, is really important, but also the amount of patients you're exposed to. And I think that is environment dependent, and that uh, really depends on uh, what your facility actually sees. Um, and I think those have, uh, uh, a huge impact on and growth and development for APCs to work better with our physicians. Exactly. You know, I, I say as a clinician you know, and a physician, there are things I'm not comfortable with. My, my hospital is an adult trauma, geriatric, cardiac, psychiatric center, but we have a peds hospital six blocks down the road. I still hate pediatric rashes, you know, and I'm the doctor. Doesn't mean that I don't go back and look up a rash every time because I'm scared to death I'm going to miss something life-threatening. And it, it's that recognition that's so key and recognizing where your holes are because of that training environment. Right, understanding what you know and, and understanding what you don't know. Exactly. Now bounce backs come to mind with my next question. Any insight or thought on, on that scenario? Well, a lot of organizations have put together policies that say that a bounce back should be seen by the, the physician on that second visit. And the idea is that you're again adjusting for maybe that set point of they're just a fast track patient. You know, and especially in higher acuity places and with those frequent flyers that the nurses know well. I can remember all too well 
you know, our organization, you know, the nurses seeing one of our frequent friends who was a dialysis patient, short of breath, oh, she's just here for an asthma refill. Well, it was actually that she had skipped out on dialysis because they wouldn't give her her dilaudid and she was fluid <laughs> overloaded. But she had been triaged as a level five low acuity patient and got sent to fast track. And thankfully the APC recognized and go, this, this isn't low acuity and escalated it. But that's an example where that kind of bounce back phenomenon wears into it and puts people in that dangerous place. Baby introduces that opportunity for a check and adjust. Yeah. Now we mentioned uh, disease processes and process in general, but more on communication, because I think that's really imperative that we are able to understand and trust each other when we're working together. As an APC, how does my communication best promote collaboration or a collaborative effect uh, from you as an attending physician? Is it time-based? Is it content? Uh, is it specific things you're looking for? What builds that degree of trust that you and I have developed over the last many years? That's a great question. I, I think what you hit on there is it's unique to each individual. It's how do I and we build a, a partnership. And to me, I think it's, you know, I look at it much like when we have medical students and residents and young attendings, it's the younger you are, the more we want to know that you know what you're thinking of and what you ruled out and why you ruled it out in our relationship, kind of that proved to me you're thinking about the right thing so that the next time you come to me and say, hey, I've just got an ankle sprain in room four, the x-ray was negative, I'm sending it home. I know you thought through, why didn't they have a DVT? Why are they not you know, arterially insufficient? You know, There's no massive necrotic toe from their unmanaged diabetes. Like, I know you've thought through that because we've worked together and you've shown your knowledge and that expertise. So I think that's often what we're looking for in that process. Um, and so brevity is a good thing the longer we've worked together, you know, because at some point I, I trust you, rock and roll, let me know when you got a problem because I know what you don't know, back to our earlier conversation. And then the other piece of it, I think, is definitely thinking through and showing that you're owning the patient is another big thing. I, you know, it's one of those frustrations when, you know, we, we talk about being, you know, collaborative in a team-based model, but it's oh, I hit something hard, I don't want to do it. You know, the few times we've run into that, that's having to readjust the expectation that they're your patient. You're actively leading and managing that, and I'm here to partner and work with you, but not to take over when the going gets tough. I'm here to work with you. Right, and I think a degree of having purpose in that role really defines our opportunity to improve over a period of time. Exactly. So, you know, you and I working together, we don't have an issue with access. If I have a question, if it's a timely related question, you go see the patient or you respond, you know, appropriate to, you know, what I'm worried about. Are you familiar from your legal world uh, on any cases where access or timely access to the physician has been an issue as it relates to any sort of litigation? Timely access can be one of those things. Again, where I think the procedures are one that comes easily to mind. We've had APCs that were put in a position where they were asked to do high-risk interventions like airways or line placement uh, and didn't have the backup support. And obviously those are timely issues. Once the airway's gone, it's gone. That's put them at risk and had some adverse consequences. I, I think all of those types of things, and as we expand that book of business that APCs are doing and other service lines as well, you know, OB is another example where certified nurse midwives may not have easy access to uh, an OB attending to be able to do a crash section. All of those types of things where we're leaving them out on the island, I think is definitely a challenge. Yeah. 
Now, just to kind of sidetrack our conversation uh, more from content, more over form and what we do. So, you know, the, the risk of getting sued is, is out there. I think a lot of people have had exposure to lawsuits, whether or not it's directly related to their own clinical care or associated care with a, an APC that they've worked with. But in any circumstance, you know, if I were to get a complaint from the state or a potential lawsuit, what do I do? Who do I talk to? You know, what steps do I take to, to kind of work through that? That's a great question. And uh, when you get involved in litigation or a complaint from the state, please don't look at it as you're out there on an island by yourself. And this is one of those tough things because our, our pride and our anxiety and our fears get in the way and we don't want to pick up the phone and call. But reaching out to the claims department, you know, uh, reaching out to your facility medical director and getting that process started will help us get the litigation support program moving. And that includes everything from getting your counsel assigned to getting your stress support with dealing with this, you know, to getting those initial reviews done and getting you set up for success in it. The key thing is act as soon as you know, whether it's the state or a lawsuit. So it's good to know that we have that extra support out there and there's a cascade of events that occur that you know, allow uh, access to uh, that support well, I want to thank you for your time and your expertise. I do appreciate uh, our working relationship, but more so your background and what you do to really kind of help walk us and talk us through this. And, and hopefully we can enlighten you know, many of our physician and APC colleagues who have a lot of questions as it relates to these topics, you know, promoting better collaboration. Can you get along? You know, and I think that's really kind of the key thing. So thank you very much. Thank you, Tom, for covering this important subject. I think it's uh, going to serve us all well. To Tom and Nathan, thank you on behalf of all of us. You've provided valuable information to address a complex relationship. Your discussion recognizes the value of a close partnership between the advanced practice clinician and the physician in a way that promotes both collaboration and patient safety. I hope you've enjoyed this Beyond Clinical Medicine podcast. If you have any questions about this topic or suggestions for other topics, please contact me at beyondclinicalmedicine.org. Thank you.